Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Having trained more than 24,000 vets. Helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura. Answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Saturday morning. It's November 20th. Thanks for tuning in and letting us be part of your Saturday morning. I'm Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we talk about your pet's training, its behavior, and health needs, as well as taking your calls and answering your questions about your pet each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help. Are you fed up with your pets just not listening? Um, maybe you've got a problem with a dog that's pulling you down the street. Maybe you've got a problem with a cat that refuses to use its litter box. It doesn't matter what kind of pet you have. It doesn't matter what kind of problem you have. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help you deal with all of your behavior problems. Um, if you're in Phoenix and would like to give us a call, the number to call is 602 277 5369. That's 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call toll-free at 866-536-1100. Um, if you'd like to comment on today's show or if you've got a question and you'd like some help with your pet's behavior, we would love to hear from you. Um, today, we're going to be talking again about resource guarding. Uh, specifically today, we're going to be talking about object guarding. Last week, we talked in detail about food bowl aggression in dogs. Um, in fact, for the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about resource guarding in general. We did food bowl aggression last week. Today, we're going to be talking about object guarding. Uh, next week, I believe we're going to be talking about guarding space or location. And then after that, we're going to be talking about guarding people or other animals. So um, if you missed... Last week's show, you can listen to the entire show and all of the details that we went through on how to treat food bowl aggression um, by going to the Pet Talk Today podcast. Um, every show we record and we upload that to the Pet Talk Today podcast. You can do a Google search for Pet Talk Today podcast or you can do a search for Pet Talk Today on any of the podcasting hosting platforms like Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Um, we're on all of the hosting sites for podcasts. Matter of fact, if you've got Alexa, you can just say, Alexa, play the Pet Talk Today podcast. You're going to want to ask for season two, episode 25. If you're doing a search on your own, that's season two, episode 25 on food bowl aggression if you missed last week's show. But today, it's all about object Guarding aggression. But first, before we even go there, uh, sitting next to me is my co-host, canine guru and director of training for Phoenix Dog Training, Jordan Marsteller. Good morning. Good morning, Will. How are you? How are you on this Saturday morning? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's uh, 11 in a row. Yeah, that it is. Hey, 12 on Sunday. 12 on Sunday. That's We're talking right. about the Phoenix Suns. They're That's hot, right. folks. Right. That's right. Hot like the valley. They are hot once again. Yeah. Absolutely. There we go. That sounds better. Now I can hear myself. Ah. I'm not certain if anybody could hear me there. 
Well, maybe your mic was on yeah, when I maybe. was talking to Air. No, they're shaking their head back there in, 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 uh, the producer saying, no, your no, mic was on. He said, he said I, everything was good. Well, folks, if you could not hear me. Hi, I'm Jordan. How are you this morning? You didn't work in an artillery unit, did you, when you were in the army? Absolutely okay, not. Okay, so that wouldn't be the cause of why you couldn't hear. <laughs> See, I was in, I was in third armor. See, so I was in third armor for part of the time. And, and so, you know, when my wife says, you know, you're not listening to me, I go, babe, I, you know, I was in third armor. You yeah. Know? I mean, come on. See, I, the tanks were, See, my were excuse, constantly blowing shells. My and, excuse is I was in a, I was in an enclosed space with 20 plus dogs barking all the time without ear protection. So, uh-huh. So, you know, my hearing, my hearing's pretty shot, if I'm being honest. Okay, well, you know, there's, there's always, um, American Sign Language. If yeah. If it gets too bad, or I, I hear they're doing some you know, amazing things with implants. But, you know, we've got to get yeah, back into absolutely. dogs. We've got to, we're digressing. We need to be talking about object guarding. But first, it's time for Pet Talk News. Good Saturday morning, folks. So, today for Pet Talk News, we're going to start off with Madonna's former Miami home is reportedly being sold for $32 million, but wait, by a dog. That's right. You might think that you spoil your pet, but when German Countess Carlotta Livenstein died in 1992, she left a staggering $80 million plus inheritance to her German Shepherd, Gunther the Third. Since then, Gunther and his pro- progeny have enjoyed the high life in a diverse portfolio, including a Miami mansion once owned by Madonna. The Material Girl sold the nine-bedroom, 8,400-square-foot Tucson-style villa for $7.5 million to Gunther the Fourth. Now his grandson, Gunther the Sixth, has put the luxury waterfront property on the market for $31.75 million. Way to go, Gunther the Sixth. Good job. Mm-hmm. More so than that, does your dog have a problem being separated from you? Well, guess what? Now, scientists are saying that there's a device that could ease the pain for your lonely mutts. Lonely dogs could soon be able to call their absent owners using a new device invented by animal tech scientists in Britain and Finland. The dog phone, which works when the pet shakes a ball using an accelerometer to trigger a video call from a nearby laptop. How crazy is that? It was invented in the University of Glasgow to help with their with their lab partner, Labrador Zach. Once they taught Zach how to shake the ball and activate a call, they gave Zach to use for 16 days. Despite being hounded mm-hmm. by some accidental calls, Zach used the prototype device to contact his owner and show off his toys multiple times throughout the 16 days. A specialist in animal computer interaction responded by showing the pet her office, a restaurant, and a street busker, causing Zach to approach the screen. However, it is clear that sometimes he was definitely interested. They can't be completely certain whether the calls were accidental or on purpose. So some more studies need to be done. They really do believe that this could help ease the separation anxiety that the, quote, 
pandemic pups are suffering from. What are your thoughts there, Will? Well, I don't know if I want my dog giving me prank phone calls. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm know, saying. You know, imagine if you had a Malinois. Right. Oh, okay. my goodness. They're gonna, just on that ball all they're gonna day long. They're going to be shaking that ball all day long. Your phone's going to be blowing up like all crazy. Day. And my, my automatic response is definitely not going to work when I tell my dog, sorry, I'm with a client right now. I think you may have to yeah. block that <laughs> yeah. puppy, huh? Yeah, I think we may have to block that for Seriously, sure. seriously. Oh, wow. That it's, is something else. We've got dogs uh, selling houses, dogs making phone million. calls. $32 million. And now your dogs can call you via video conference. That is crazy. That is unbelievable. That is that is something else, isn't it? If you've got a crazy story about a dog, a cat, if you've got a crazy story about a pet, we want to hear about it. We're going to go ahead and give out our email address because if you've got a crazy story about your pet, you've got a crazy story about somebody else's pet, um, we might use that and talk about it here on Pet Talk today. So if you've got a crazy story, you can email that to us at info. Info, that's I-N-F-O, info at PetTalkToday.com. Again, that's info at PetTalkToday.com. As I said before we were at Pet Talk News, today we are going to be talking about resource guarding. We're going to be talking, it's our series in resource guarding aggression. Last week we talked about food bowl aggression. Today we are going to be going in depth, in detail, talking about object guarding. You know, maybe you've got a dog that likes to grab your shoe or remote control and it is fighting to the death. It is not going to let that go, and, and you're dealing with that type of problem. Well, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will be diving in detail to resource guarding, specifically object guarding. So don't go anywhere. When we come back after these messages, we're going to get right back into it. We'll be right back. Everybody when they come to my door I'll eat anything if it falls on the floor Now I've heard the rumors I think I better ask you I heard I might be a dog Won't somebody please tell me it ain't true Welcome back, everybody. If you were to come back as a dog, what kind of dog would you be? I'm Will Bangura. Thanks for staying with us. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX. I'm sitting here with my co-host. Hello, I'm Jordan Marsteller. And today we're talking about resource guarding. And very specifically, we are talking about object guarding. Um, if you're just joining us, um, we are going to be spending the next several weeks talking about aggression, very specifically resource guarding. Um, last week, we talked about food bowl aggression. If you happen to miss last week's show, uh, you're going to want to hear all of the information about food bowl aggression. You can go to the Pet Talk Today podcast. Just do a search for Pet Talk Today podcast. Go to Season 2, Episode 25, and you can hear everything about food bowl aggression. Also, we have got some detailed handouts, step-by-step. How do you treat that? If you'd like to get a copy of that, you can send us a email to info at PetTalkToday.com. That's info at PetTalkToday.com. In the subject heading, put food bowl aggression and 
we will know that that is something that we need to get out to you. But let's get into object guarding. Now, the principle for object guarding is the same as for food bowl guarding, only the application differs. Now, the first thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to make a list of the different objects that your dog guards, the different objects that your dog is possessive over. And when you start this training, you want to start with the least guarded object on the list. Now, in some cases, okay, um, pretty much everything is being guarded by the dog. Absolutely. And sometimes that intensity is right up there with just about yeah. everything. You may need to start with an object that has no significance to the dog. It might be a little tiny box. Yeah. I mean, maybe you have a magazine that sits by your chair. Exactly. Um, but it doesn't matter. Even if we're starting with something the dog doesn't guard, um, we want to teach a game. That's right. And we want the dog to to learn the game. Okay? And this is what this is about. A lot of these steps are going to be building on each other. So for a lot of the steps, we're repeating what we did, but we're adding one tiny little component to that. Now, when you start this training, not only do you want to start with an object that the dog isn't going to guard or the least offending object, right? you want to start with the person in the household, the person in the household that the dog is least aggressive towards ah. as it relates to object guarding. That's a good idea. That is a fantastic idea. So, I mean, but what, what happens if there, if that, that doesn't exist? What if there isn't a person that the dog is the least aggressive towards? Them? Well, we, we deal with what we have. Yeah, Which, absolutely. It doesn't mean we, we don't go forward and it doesn't mean that we ask the mailman to come in absolutely. and see if he's a non-offender. Absolutely. So, so now that we've started with the least, the least guarded object and the least aggressive person, I think it's about time to talk about what the first step is, right? Yeah. So the first step here, folks, is you have to teach your dog how to leave it, the leave it command. All right. This is able to be shaped by holding that object in your hand. If your dog backs away, remember, we're starting with an object that the guard that the dog isn't guarding. OK, we have to teach the game first. When the dog backs away, we reinforce that by marking and rewarding. For those of you that don't know what marking and rewarding is, just Layman's term, tell them that they're good, give them a treat. Okay? That's what marking and rewarding is. Now, you might have to start by kind of shaping that. Maybe the dog isn't exactly backing away from that object, but maybe we start off by the dog doesn't show any interest. The dog looks away. The dog just kind of acts aloof. Okay, we start there. We accept that lack of interest in the object. Okay? And then we move further and further and further. All right? Now, we want to add a verbal cue. So as the dog is leaving an object, I say leave it, mark and reward. Plain and simple. Once we have the dog understanding what leave it is, uh, that's when we're going to move on. But let's talk about another way that you can that you can teach the leave it command. Just randomly throughout the day, I want you to get 10 to 30 treats. Put them in your treat pouch, put them in your pocket, whatever. Now, obviously, if your dog has a problem with treats, you have to be very careful with this and the way that you do it. Make sure that you are not taking possession of these items. You are making it very clear that you're giving them to your dog. Drop it 
And as you, before you drop it, you say drop or leave it. And then boom, throw a treat on the ground and do this over and over and over again. And it's going to teach your dog to spit something out to pick up another treat off the ground. And that is the first step. So I guess, Will, once my dog understands how to leave it, what am I doing now? Well, I just want to mention something, too, because um, you mentioned shaping. Right. And, you know, people's dogs pick up things and drop things all day long. Right. You know, whether it's an offending object or whether it's not. They're always putting things in their mouth. They're always letting things go. Yeah. If you happen to see your dog. Ah, capturing, yes. Letting go of something that it had in its mouth. You can label that behavior, yep. leave it or drop, and you can mark and reward. Absolutely. And Capture that behavior. You are beginning to make the association so the dog understands what it is you mean uh, when you say leave it. But you were asking about the next step. So in the next step, we are going to approach the dog while the dog is possessing the unguarded object. Okay. Okay. And we're going to request that the dog leave it. Now, like you said, in this case, it might not be dropping it. It could right. be the dog turning its head away, um, moving a little bit away from it. But we're going to ask the dog to leave it. We're going to mark in reward. And we want to make sure that we're using a very, very high-value food reward. Yes. Because that's part of teaching the game. And that's part of also teaching the dog that, hey, I'm not necessarily losing something and and resources are scarce. Exactly. I'm gaining something. And gosh, I might be gaining something that's even better. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when we're approaching the dog, um, we're going to ask the dog to leave it. When the dog drops it, we're going to go ahead and mark and reward with a high value food reward. Um, and then we're going to begin to give the take it cue so that the dog can have the object back right away. Well, in this case, it's a unguarded object. Right. So that's not going to necessarily apply. But you can teach the take it cue. Again, you can capture your dog picking up things. Your dog might be picking up things 40, 50 times a day. That's 40, 50 opportunities to label that behavior. Yep. Take it and marking and rewarding. So Get it's it. literally that easy okay to do now once you give the take it cue um you're gonna back away from the dog you're gonna walk away okay and, and again that's gonna help the dog understand that hey this isn't so bad because i got the object and guess they're moving away they're, they're not going to be taking it exactly. away from me now learning's all about repetition so Absolutely. you need to repeat this several times and then you want to start as far as your approach Adding some different distance from your approach. You want to come in at different angles, different directions, so you can begin to generalize this. Right. Okay. Um, and then also, as far as your approach, you want to add in different durations for which the dog is kind of hanging out or possesses the object. Um, now, really important, because people like to rush this process. Yeah. You should only proceed to the next level when the dog is visibly eager to have you carry out the task at the current stage. Absolutely. So what does that mean? What does that look Absolutely. like? Absolutely. Great question. So I know that we're, we only have a few minutes before break, but your dog needs to be aloof. Now, a lot of people understand what the word aloof means, and they think that they know what aloofness or aloofishness looks like in a dog. However, I'm going to tell you, Canine body language is very complex, believe it or not. So what you need to do, folks, step one, and I'm telling you, yes, step one, 
to this entire process. Go to our website, phoenixdogtraining.com. Go to the menu. Go to client. In that drop-down menu, you're going to see canine body language article. Click on that. Go to that webpage. Don't even worry about the article. Scroll to the very bottom. There's two videos there. Watch them. Learn them. Take notes on them. Canine body language is imperative to understanding this. If your dog, when you watch those videos, you're going to learn about something called stress signals and calming signals, just two of the many different types of signals. If your dog's giving any stress signals, they are not aloof, okay? They are terrified and they are not, they're scared of scarcity, plain and simple. If your dog is giving only calming signals, then we are ready to move on to the next step. And... These next steps are going to be just tiny little steps forward. And and that's what we got to remember. It's baby steps. Everybody tries to rush this. And, you know, here's the thing. Aggression really isn't the problem. Right. That's a symptom. Absolutely. The problem is what? Resource guarding. Fear of scarcity. Fear. Fear. Fear is at the motivating force behind this aggression. Exactly. So what we've got to do is create situations where the dog is not afraid that it's going to lose yeah. the object that it has. Okay. Absolutely. So the next step is going to be to do the same as we did before. So we're going to approach the dog. But okay. this time we're going to bend halfway to the object once the object is dropped, okay? And when that object's dropped, then we're going to go ahead and mark and reward because the dog did right. what we wanted. Exactly. Then we're going to stand back up, and when we stand back up, now we're going to cue the dog to take it. Okay? Absolutely. And then when the dog takes it, we are going to mark and reward exactly again so in this situation now we're talking about some movement and as we're moving towards the dog as we're you know bending halfway over that can change the dynamics um, we're going to talk more about different dynamics and how they change um, as it relates to object guarding aggression from your dogs when we come back we've got to go to news but when we come back We're going to get more into resource guarding, object guarding. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. He never tells me that he's sick of this house. He never says, why don't you get off that couch? He don't cost me nothing (laughs) when he wants to go out. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangora, and you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Don't do much singing now and then. You know, throw that in there and uh, crack a mirror. That's right. And uh, I'm joined here by my co-host, Jordan Marsteller. How's it going, y'all? And Jordan is the training director at Phoenix Dog Training. And today we're talking about dog aggression, very specifically resource guarding, and even more specifically, object guarding. And before we went to news, um, we were talking about the various steps in how we deal with object guarding. And at break, you had mentioned that I said something and you wanted to comment on that. Absolutely, absolutely, folks. So... He was talking about a high-value food reward, and I want to talk about what that means. This needs to be so high-value that whatever object it is that we are using, the dog is going to pick the food 
over the object. That's also why we need to start with the least guarded object. Exactly. So we've got a low value object. Exactly. And a very high value food reward. Precisely. We don't start treating the object guarding with the thing the dog's gonna fight exactly. to its death for. If you know that your dog has an orange ball, like one of those chuckets, right? That it would just murder somebody for. We probably shouldn't start there because he's probably not going to let go of that ball for a piece of chicken. So before we went to break, the last step we were talking about was, okay, we've been approaching the dog with an object that the dog doesn't guard because we're teaching the game. Right. Okay. Before we start using objects that the dog guards, um, we were just approaching, but in the last step, we bent halfway over once the object was dropped. Right. When we stood back up. We asked the dog to take it. We marked and rewarded. Um, what's our next step? So after that, we're going to once again approach the object and we are going to bend all the way down. Mind you, we are not even reaching for the object yet. Okay. When I bend down and the dog does not aggress, I will mark and reward and stand back up. And then I'm going to cue the dog to take it the dog gets the object back and I'll mark and reward again. And that is the next step. We break it up into tiny pieces. So then after that, what, what do we do after now that I've bent all the way over? Mm-hmm. What's the next thing for me, Will? Well, you know, it's one thing there to be bent over. It's one thing to be asking for that object back. And in, in this case, you know, when we're asking the dog to drop it, take it, um, we're now working with an object. Right. That the dog guards, but again, we're looking for the least guarded object when we're doing this. But the next step is going to be not only bending over, but reaching halfway to the object once it's dropped. There we go. And then at that point, again, if there's no aggression, we're going to mark and reward. And we're going to retract our hand. We're going to stand up. Then we're going to cue the dog to take it again. And again, we want to keep letting the dog have the object. Absolutely. It's not about taking it and running. No. When they drop it, we mark and reward. When they take it, we mark and reward. And let them have it. And now here's the thing. You don't have to do these steps back to back to back to back to back. In fact, you might have to repeat each step multiple times. Exactly. You might only get through two steps and you might be repeating those two steps every day for a month. Yeah, Yeah, you could. You may be, you may only take you a day to get through four steps. Because Who knows? You can't move forward until the dog's ready. Precisely. And you can only work at the dog's pace. And when's the dog ready? When the dog is eager to play the game. Canine body language, calming signals. And he doesn't care or she doesn't care about the fact that there's this object. It's Precisely. more interested in playing the game and getting the high value exactly. food rewards. And we're starting to teach the dog, hey, you can trust that, you know, you're not going to lose that object. Exactly. It's going to be there when you turn around. Good things are going to happen. Better things are going to happen. And yes, it's still going to be there. So that's so, where we are. So now we've, we've bent over. Mm-hmm. We've reached towards the object. Now... We take it to guess what, folks? I have to just touch it just a little bit further. I am just reaching out and touching it briefly, very, very briefly. I'm just not going to linger my yeah. hand. And the moment that I touch it, my dog doesn't aggress. Boom. Mark and reward. Then I'm going to retract my hand, stand up, command the dog to take it. And when they do take it, guess what? Mark and reward. Exactly. And then after that, if things are going well, and again, 
What is going well? Going well means that on a consistent basis. And, and folks, you need to be doing these exercises three to five times a week. And you're going to be spending about 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes for a training exercise. And you can do that more than once a day. It just depends upon your dog. Don't go too quick. Go slow because each step of the way, we want your dog to be enjoying the game. Any stress, as Jordan was saying, anything that you see in the canine body language is showing stress. That's a signal to you that you have moved too close. You've gone into the next step too soon and your dog is not ready for that. But if you've done well on that step, then the next thing that you're going to want to do is do Everything that was in the previous step, but you're going to reach the rest of the way, touching the object briefly, and you're going to then pick it up. And you're going to pick it up about an inch, about an inch. Yeah, we did that with the food bowl too. So again, a lot of these things that we're doing with the object are things we did with food bowl aggression. Absolutely. So we pick it up about an inch. We're going to place it back down. If we don't have any aggression, we're going to mark and reward. Then we're going to stand up and we're going to cue or command the dog to take it again. And we're going to go ahead and mark and reward that as well. And again, we're going to repeat that as many times as necessary where the dog gets the game and the dog thinks, this is the greatest thing in the world. I can't wait to play this game. And I, I really don't care about that object. Absolutely. And guess what? Once we have picked up the object about an inch Mm-hmm. Now we're doing everything exactly the same, everything that we've done. But now I'm going to pick up the object and stand upright. Listen, folks, I want you to ask yourself, what do I have to do to get from seven feet away to the object, pick it up and walk away? Every single step of the way needs to be broken down into minuscule approximations. Okay. So I went from just reaching towards it, touching it, grabbing it, picking it up. Now I'm standing up with it in my hand. And then I'm going to put it right back down on the ground, mark and reward my dog as long as they don't aggress. And then I'm going to give them possession of the item back and then mark and reward again. You were talking about successive approximations. Right. These are these little baby steps forward. So once you've done that, once things are going well with that... Okay, you've picked up the object. You're not having any aggression. You know, you've dropped it. As soon as you picked it up, you let it go again. It's back on the ground. Well, the next step after the dog's got that and really thrilled about that day in and day out and loves doing that exercise, um, we're going to do everything the same. But the new approximation, the new baby step is now when we pick up that object, we're going to hold that for several seconds. That's right. We're going to hold it for several seconds before we dropped it right away. Yeah. We're going to hold it for several seconds before we place it back on the ground. Then we're going to mark and reward. Then we're going to cue the dog once again to take it. And we're going to mark and reward again. And how long do we need to do that for? You know, that's a fantastic question. And, you know... Quite frankly, Will, I'm going to say I don't know. You do it until your dog is eager to play the game. Listen, guys, I work with my clients for approximately six months, give or take some time, and I could be working with them for five months before I ever even get to touch the object. That's like step six out of – and we're on like step ten right now. 
I could be working with them for five months before I even get to touch an object. Your dog decides how quickly you move forward. And what you're basically saying is that um, we can only work at, at the dog's pace. Exactly. So to answer your question, how long are you doing that? I don't know. Your dog knows, though. Okay. Well. Watch your dog. What would be our next step if things yeah, were going well? Absolutely. So everything's going great. I have now taken possession of the object. I've stood up. I've held on to it. The dog is wagging that tail all aloof and eager. Well, what's the next step? Well, you know what? The next step that we are working on is dual possession. Okay. Now I need to work on my dog having possession of the item while I have possession of the item. That's our next goal. But we need to break it down into steps. We have to break it down. Successive approximations. Now, I have the object in my hand, okay? I walk up to the dog. I offer it to the dog to take it. When the dog takes possession of this object, I maintain contact with the item. Oh, so you don't let it go. No. Okay. Do not let it go. Then you cue your dog to leave it. And when the dog leaves the item, immediately I mark and reward, okay? Then I give the object back, mark and reward again when they take it. And then if you absolutely have to, if you have to, if it really comes down to it, you can bribe the dog. So you offer the treat first, not after, if you have to get the item back and the dog's not giving it back, okay? And and if we got to that point... right. That means that we have moved on to a step too soon. Exactly. And we need to go back a step, go back a step or two um, before we get to exactly. that particular step. We can't go too fast. We've said it time and time. There are no quick fixes. Slower is going to get you there better than going fast because you're going to have to back up. we got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, more about resource guarding. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura, your host, and you're listening to Pet Talk today along beside me. I'm Jordan Marsteller, the director of training at Phoenix Dog Training and the co-host of Pet Talk today. And canine guru. And we're talking today about object guarding. And uh, before we went to break, uh, we were talking about um, the next steps. How do you deal with object guarding? And I'm going to let Jordan yeah, take over here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we have now gotten to the point where we are doing dual possession of the object. So both your dog and you have possession of the item at the same time. So now, what we are doing is we are walking up to the dog with the item in our possession. We then offer the object to the dog, but this time, we are going to maintain contact with the dog and the object for a few more seconds before we withdraw it. Then, we mark and reward, offer the object back, mark and reward again, walk away and let's do it again. That's where you have to leave it, recall your dog, and get the possession of the item back, okay? So once they've done that, once they've practiced that, that's going well, then what do they do next? Yeah, so next after that, we are going to do the exact same thing. But then I'm going to let go of the object for a second, just a second, before I take it back again. So now, dual possession into individual possession, back to dual possession, As soon as I do that, mark and reward, let the dog have the item, 
get it back, and now we move on. Now, based on the pattern yeah. of everything we've been doing, my guess is that in the next step, we're going to do everything the same, but the only difference is um, you're going to increase the duration. Absolutely. For which you relinquish the possession of the object uh-huh. to maybe a couple seconds before... Gently taking it back. And then maybe a couple more after that. So the dog gets to hang on to it for a little bit longer. Yep. Then we... Once again, take it back. Leave it, right? We're going to use our leave it. We're going to mark and reward. We're going to take that back. And if the dog doesn't want to give it back to us, we have gone on... Too fast. Too fast to the next step. What will we do after that, though, if things are going well? Yeah, absolutely. So once we have... we're, We're doing everything the same, okay? But now, after we relinquish the possession... We are going to step back, okay? And so, then, yeah, let, me, let me ask you this. So, uh-huh. we were giving it back to the dog. The dog had it for a little bit longer period of time. Yep. We were doing everything the same. Yep. But now we're gonna take a step back. That's right. We are taking a step away from the dog after we give them possession of the item. Then. We're going to step back in. As we step back in, we're going to tell them, leave it, mark and reward, and then we take possession back. Oh, okay. I see. Now, once we've done that, again, generalizing it here, we're going to keep taking more steps or standing back for a few more seconds. We're going to increase the duration. We now... You might end up finding that you have to break the time that you're giving them possession and the distance that you're taking away from the dog into two different steps. Okay, you may have to separate them into different stages of training. And that does happen sometimes, and that's okay. Now, whenever you're changing variables in dog training, it's important to know that when you change more than one at a time, your dog may regress. Even changing one, your dog may regress. So it's best practice to go on and separate the two into two different stages. Once you have the duration, you can then relax how long you are keeping the object in their possession. And instead, we are working on how far I'm stepping back from the dog. Because all in all, duration is going to occur the further that I get away from the Mm -hmm. dog. So we need to get duration under control first. Mm -hmm. Now... What happens once I can give the item back and get away from the dog and leave it in their possession for a good amount of time? What 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 comes after that, Will? Well, you're going to be approaching the dog then next from a short distance when okay. the dog already has the object. Okay? And then you're going to gently remove that, you know, probably using your leave it cue. When you grasp the object, immediately then you're going to mark and reward and you're going to return that object and walk away. Now, one of the reasons that that's important is, you know, we're holding on to it a little bit longer. We need some shorts as well as longs. Right. Because if we set up a pattern that each time we take it, it's going to be longer before the dog gets it. That's anxiety. That's going to create some anxiety. So you got to throw in some shorts along with the longs. Right. And we're not talking about pants here, folks. We're talking about time. We don't. Then after that, where are we next? Jordan? Now, what we're doing is we are approaching from an even further distance. It's giving the dog more time to decide whether we are a threat or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're doing everything exactly the same 
as before we approach from a further distance, I then take into possession the item at the same time as the dog, ask the dog to leave it, mark and reward, give the item back, mark and reward, and walk away. Once we've done that, we're going to repeat this several times in different rooms from different angles with different items, different objects, things like that. And once we have an eager dog that understands the game, what comes next, Will? Well, we've so far been dealing with the object, but we haven't been touching the dog. Oh. And that can make a big difference when the dog has possession of something. Absolutely. Um, when the dog has control of the object, we now are going to approach, and we're just going to pat the dog gently on the back once. Yeah. If there's no aggression, we're going to mark and reward. Then we're going to walk away. And the biggest thing is we want to try never to offer the reward to the dog directly from our hand, okay? Because that could be seen as an attempt to take the object as well. So although we've already worked on taking the object, hey, when we're touching the dog, when it's got possession, that might be too demanding at this stage to be able to do that. So instead, drop the reward close to the dog and walk away. Now, yeah. Once we start touching the dog, the next thing that we need to do is do everything the same, but now we're going to go ahead and instead of patting the dog just once, we're going to pat a couple of times. And then after that, we're going to go into exercises where we're patting several times. And then we go even beyond that and we start to do the same thing. But now we might be stroking the dog a couple of the times on the back. Now, I want to interject just really quickly, Mm -hmm. Will. It is very important, folks, in the way that we said that pat the dog on the back, that does not mean approach your dog from the rear. Exactly. I want to let yeah. you know your dog has to be able to see where you're coming from. Absolutely. Um, and then we're going to go to pat the dog once on the back of the neck. Then the next step is going to be patting the dog a few times on the back of the neck. Again, successive approximations, baby steps forward. When that's all going well, then we're going to pat the dog several times on the back of the neck. Um, and then guess what? We're going to go into stroking the dog a few yeah. times on the back of the neck. Uh, then... One of the things that's even more difficult, dogs typically don't like their head being touched. So now the next step would be to pat the dog once on the head. And then what do you suppose after that we're going to be doing? With successive approximations, Exactly, we're going to be more and more pats on the head a couple times, then maybe several times. Then we're going to do the same thing, but now we're stroking the dog on the head. Once we have stroked the dog on the head... And we have done the handling and grooming. Remember, we have not asked for the item back once, okay? We have focused purely on the dog having the item in their possession while we're touching them. Yep. Now, we ask the dog to leave it after I pat them on the head. Pick up the item, mark and reward, give it back to them, and guess what? Mark and reward again, and then walk away. This step requires you to be a little bit flexible. This is not going to be direct to the point. You might have to change a few things up here and there. You might have to add a few of the other exercises together like padding, stroking, walking up, distance, the amount of time that I'm holding on to the object, things like that, okay? You have to have a good, solid foundation, and it should go very smoothly. If it doesn't, make it easier on the dog by patting and having the dog drop the object, but allow the dog to take it back on their own, okay? 
Otherwise, go back a few steps and do more work on the handling. Okay. Now, once they've got that, we're going to go ahead and repeat the sequence using the next item on the list of guarded objects, the second least guarded object. And we need to generalize the training by performing it in different rooms, uh, approaching from different angles, distances. We need to repeat the exercises several times, several times. This is not a one and done, okay? So you're going to repeat the exercise several times through a few sessions and don't move on again to the next level until the dog's looking forward to having you perform the various exercises, which is then indicating that counterconditioning is also happening as we do that. Um, next step, repeat the exercises with the next item on the list and then the next and the next until you've worked through all of the items that the dog guards. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. We're aiming for generalization. So with that being said, we want the next person in the house to do it. Then the next person, maybe your dog was tethered in the beginning. So after every person in the house is able to go through a lot of the items smoothly, we then untether. And that's about that for the object guarding. Will, what else? Well, we have gone through it pretty quickly. So if you'd like to get a copy of the protocol, you can send us an email to info at pettalktoday.com. That's info at pettalktoday.com. And we will send you all of the steps that are involved. Well, we are just about out of time. want to thank all of our listeners. We're going to be back here next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Once again, talking about resource guarding, but we're going to be talking about guarding space. So don't go anywhere. Shoeshine Mike is next. <laughs>